Action Park Media. Welcome back to Entertain Her. I am Sarah Sanderson. Erica Cedeno. I'm Erin Coscarelli. Hey guys, I'm Zulai Hanau and welcome. Yes, we are back. The closet edition. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, perfecting this this Zoom, but it's a work in progress. And uh, take it away, Kevin Dillon. Get ready for the wind down. Victory! Oh, it's always so good to hear his voice, right? <laughs> I do have to say, I did hear Matt's version when I heard the episode, and I I really liked Matt's version as well. Ooh, so Kevin Dillon is fired? No, no, no. I'm just saying in the off chance that we ever want to switch it up on the listeners and like maybe do like a wind down lottery. Like, who are you going to hear this week? Matt's a great great addition. Does Doug get in on this or we didn't like Doug's? We like Doug. We like Doug. We put it up for a vote. Maybe the did Doug maybe. enjoy it as much as like Matt was really into it. He was really, he, what did, he, he called himself like Sedeno Jalapeno. And I'm like, what? I he did. <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah. okay. That was yeah. the episode. I like couldn't stop laughing. I don't know why I thought Matt was really funny. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Um, so I he guess, yeah, I'll, I'll start the, the wind down, you know, just a little COVID update, still dealing with it. I'm like two weeks out at this point, still have a cough, got some weird rash on my face. So I finally <laughs> went to the doctor yesterday. Cause I'm like, you know, me, I get on Google and doctors hate it, but like, what are we supposed to do? Just not look like what might be going on. And of course, Google's like, Oh, if you have this butterfly rash on your face, it could be pneumonia. And I'm like, Oh my lungs. So I finally go, he says, my lungs are totally clear. My oxygen was good and the cough will last a month or two. <laughs> it does. <laughs> That's I a know. sure fact. So he was That's not worried about it. He had no idea why I had a rash on my face. He's like, I would see a dermatologist if it stays. So <laughs> I have no idea. But anyway, that's my uh, my COVID update. And then I did have one exciting thing. So I finally got an audition. It was not for a pregnant lady, but it was for a huge show. And of course, I signed an NDA, so I can't say what it was. But I was so excited because in the, um, you know, in the, in the tape, and again, I was COVID. This is like a week ago. It took me 10 hours almost to tape <gasps> this thing because I was so tired. And it took a few hours to be like, okay, I got to go get in the shower. You know, like I just, <laughs> like, was planning that out. Then I shower, blow dry my hair, do my makeup, which took literally twice as long as normal. Then I had to set up all my lights and my camera and record myself saying the other lines because of the NDA, you couldn't share the sides with anybody. And then I had to time out how I was. So it literally took forever and then edit it. And then of course, like, and when you tape it, it's only, you know, your shoulders, they can't see you're pregnant and hello, I can't show up on set. Like, Oh, Hey, what's up? Surprise. You know? So in my slate, I definitely, you know, I had to say I was vaccinated, that I got the new booster, my name, that I'm in LA. And then I went and I have a baby. And I turned to the side and showed my stomach because no surprises. And they ended up cutting that role, but asked me to tape another role. So I was just so Ooh, excited wow. that they weren't thrown off that I was pregnant and that they liked me to have me tape something else. So then I had to redo this all over again. I took <laughs> 10 hours, but I was like, okay, I could do it. And then the I excitement got a pep in your step. 
Yeah, I was just excited that, you know, it was, a, it was a huge show and that they asked me to tape another role, but I did not get the role because it's filming right now. But I was just very excited that being pregnant did not throw them off. And it would have been really fun, though, to have that tape of like being super pregnant on TV. But maybe I have a question. I have yeah. a question. Yeah, I, I plain devil's advocate here because I pay for taping myself. So if they knew that your tape, that you wouldn't be right for it because you were pregnant and they knew when it was working, why would they ask you to tape? Mm-hmm. Well, no. Oh, wait. Do you mean um, the role part, that you the second, the second part that you yeah the second yeah, time? I don't think it mattered. I was pregnant. I think they just, oh you just didn't get it. I thought I you didn't, didn't get, get it, it because you got it. Okay, that makes more I just, sense. I just didn't get the part. I think my my uh, first audition sides I think was are a little stronger than my second one. Personally, got it. If I'm that giving makes myself sense. notes, yeah, obviously they knew you were pregnant, right? Because you you showed them in the first tape. And then Unless they, they didn't take, watch my um, slate and then they finally oh, did. And then, and then they were sad. like, oh, <laughs> well, anyways, that's me. So I'll go next because I'm talking about photo shoots. You guys, I finally launched passion project in the making. Eliella. It is my kids brand that I, oh, Kennedy, my little model, baby. Hi, Kennedy. Aww. Oh my God, you guys. Okay, oh, let me so, get a photo. Yeah. Take a Hello, everybody. Say hi to the camera. Oh, no, she's <laughs> taking your mic off. <laughs> okay. Let me, the mic jacket. Oh, I'll, I'll mute myself for your wind so down. So cute. So I have had this passion project of mine for, let's say seven years now, since Jackson was two years old, I had a vision for Eliella. Eliella is him and her in Spanish, mm. um, ella, but together one word in English, it's Eliella. And I had this amazing vision and it's a gender neutral brand. And when you keep thinking about something, it kept, it kept getting, you know, putting, I kept putting it back to the back burner because I was just so busy with body language and being a mom and the million other things that I always say yes to. And I enjoy doing as well that it just never, it it never was, it never was at the forefront. And it's something that I kept thinking about. So I worked on it little by little and it evolved into what it now will be, which hopefully I'll be launching in November. But as my kids grew, Eliella also grew and it evolved. So I guess what I want to tell people out there listening for if for those that are thinking about something and they're like, do I do it? Do I put energy into it? It doesn't matter when or how or how quickly it launches. The fact of the, the fact is, is if you keep thinking about it put energy into it little, little bit at a time. It doesn't have to be every week. It could be monthly. It could be even year. It could take years. Mine took seven years and it's something that I'm doing. And I'm just super proud of myself that it's actually happening. And I just want to thank Matt for supporting. And then my friend Zulai, she let me use her beautiful little girl as a model and her sister, Marcella and her beautiful kids. And then Colleen, Aaron, Colleen's little kids were here too. Mm. So it was just like, I I felt like I was living in a dream because it had been something that I've been wanting to do for so long. And then actually having the product in my hands after this many years and taking the pictures and seeing the kids and the video. And I'm just, I'm just super excited about it. I'm proud of you. That's so exciting. 
Thank you. You have been talking about this for so long and it is as like someone who's watched you. I just feel like you're right on time. Like this is the right time to do this. And it's, it's so inspiring to watch you like execute, you know, when I, when you told me about it and you were sending me like updates on it and stuff, it's been really cool being your friend and adjacently watching you like crush your dreams. So congrats, babe. I miss you so much. I know we have to hang out with you lunch. And what you said, uh, oh, sorry. I was just saying what you said. Um, I had my friend, um, I can't remember her, the name of the book, but she wrote this book where basically at 30 minutes a day to focus on something. So even if you found 30 minutes, like if you just set Mm -hmm. a timer, okay, for 30 minutes, I'm just going to work on this project. You'd be shocked at how much you get done because you are working on a little bit every single day. And that's Mm -hmm. how I ended up. Finally, I was thinking about writing that children's book for 10 years, finally Mm -hmm. writing it by Mm -hmm. just doing the 30 minutes a day. And then timing wise, how you just said the timing is working out all of a sudden Baron was in my life and he became a character in the book. And then, you know, I still, (laughs) I got lazy on submitting it. So it's not submitted yet, but maybe now my baby will make like, it's just the timing of it is interesting. Wow. Um, That's so cool. 30 minutes a day, you can accomplish a lot. That's amazing advice because I think when we chew such big things, we become overwhelmed or I know I feel overwhelmed. And if you just segment it in 30 minutes a day as like a priority, I think you're right. That's a great, it's interesting. I did a session with Brianna Brown. You know, we have, Mm -hmm. we're going to have her on. We're going to have her on in a few weeks. You guys are in for a treat. Oh my God. She's like, I want you to write down one uncomfortable thing you do a day. Just do one uncomfortable thing. I and, and so it's interesting because it's getting me out of my comfort zone. And like I've scheduled calls with people that I've needed to talk to that I've been avoiding or doing things that I've been avoiding that I'm like, oh, my God, this is uncomfortable. And so she's like, wow, put in, put what do you mean? Back. What do you mean by uncomfortable? Like, like calls with people in my work field that I've needed to have these calls with and have these uncomfortable conversations that I did not want to have. And, um, and then they went really well. (laughs) So it was like, I didn't need to avoid it. Like I, but Aaron, that's so cool. So every day you have to do something uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, just if you are feeling hesitant or uncertain and you're avoiding it, I'm a classic avoider, Uh um, do it. And then write it down in your best damn proud or yeah, you know, that session, that seg, that little segment in the, um, in the pamphlet book, that little booklet. So I've been doing that. Nice. I had an acting teacher for an exercise. She said, I think of someone you had, you had a falling out with, or you haven't talked to in a long time, whoever just popped into your mind, you have to call them. Mm. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I called a old friend that I hadn't talked to in a long time. But I was honest with her because she's like, why are you calling me randomly? I'm like, well, I was in this class and she told me it. So I don't know if she liked that part, but I didn't lie. I wasn't like, oh, just because. But it was a fine conversation. But it is interesting sometimes when you avoid things, it's just easier to get them over with. And you might be surprised with how it turned out. They were very open to my feedback and I appreciated that. So it was something that had happened last year and again, an opportunity where there was a miscommunication and then they heard my feedback and they respected my feedback. And it was like, Ooh, 
wow, like I was avoiding this thinking it was going to go not great. And it ended up going pretty well. Nice. Okay, well, I have a phone call to make today then. In that case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did we get, is, are you calling one of us? Or? <laughs> oh, no, no. And it's not even a bad phone call. It's just the miscommunication um, phone call. Okay, so I'll go really quick. I, um, Kevin and I were laughing because there was a, there's a picture, you know, Kevin and I have always had this thing with Kennedy where we don't really want to put her center stage of the entertainment industry. We just, that's now what we want for her, but inevitably she keeps on like on falling into these, like first it was ramble on. (laughs) She was an actress on there. I don't know if she's going to make the cut, but she was, she's in it. And then she did, um, she did another photo shoot for Alpha Amulet, which was like on full display at the pediatrics convention this weekend in San Diego. And now this, that same day, she went to go do Erica's um, photo shoot for Eliella. So it's like this thing that we're not even trying, but they just keep showing up in her life. And by the way, right now she's totally manageable by us. So it's okay. But I come home and I show Kevin the picture of Kennedy in the, on the step and repeat in Erica's backyard. And he's cracking up laughing and zooms in on it because Kennedy is like, and we have to post this for the, on our Instagram. Cause it's hilarious. It's Erica's kids, my niece and nephew, and then Kennedy and Kennedy's standing there, like in all her glory, looking straight into camera, like at the step and repeat. And Kevin and I are like, this <laughs> might be the funniest thing that's ever, like we could not stop laughing. So yeah, she's there. She is on the step and repeat at the tender she's, age of 16 months. She's a star. <laughs> she was, she was the youngest one and she was probably the only one looking at the camera. I mean, I was like, what is this? It's in um, her genes. She's a natural. I, my mom, I mean, it was, it was crazy. We were like, uh, I wonder who her parents are. This is, I mean, insane. I wasn't like, there for most of it, but I was like, I heard she did great. And it's just so she funny awesome. to me. Um, but just really quick, uh, just because everyone's chiming in on their own little um, business ventures, such and such, and just to shout out um, my little baby, Modern Muse, I've been telling you guys and keeping you abreast of everything that's happening. Um, we are relaunching, we're re-putting our, we're rebuilding our infrastructure, we're hiring people. I'm looking for a part-time social media slash content creator. Um, it's a paid position, which I'm very excited to say. Then we're going to be looking for an editor. So we're hiring, which is like super exciting because this has been an idea that we've been working on for so long. And to think that we're hiring people is to me such a, such a testament to what you guys just said that just, if you just work on things a little bit at a time and you believe in it and you put good, beautiful energy towards it, things start to happen. I mean, that's the law of the land, you know, uh, energy goes where Energy flows where attention goes. Wait, what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, energy yeah. flows to. So if you just put attention to the things that you love, your energy is going to create action around it. And it's going to create all these beautiful things that we don't see immediately, unfortunately. But once you start seeing it, like it come, come together, it's, it's so amazing. And I'm so proud of all of you, Erica, your line, the clothing line, the, the material, um, just the brand itself just feels so natural and it feels so much like you. And I'm really proud of you. I love it. I love the clothing. I mean, I'm going to be buying this stuff. It feels so good. It fit Kennedy so beautifully. It's beautiful. So congratulations. Yeah. Also what you just said reminded me of, I might botch this saying, but there's this 
thing where this guy is like, God, please, can I win the lottery? Please, can I win the lottery? <laughs> and he keeps every day saying, please, can I win the lottery? And then finally God answers, can you help me out and buy a ticket? You know, because you can't win the lottery yeah. without buying without a ticket. Buying ticket. You That's can't right. accomplish a dream without putting in some sort of work towards it. So mm-hmm. I kind of love that idea. Also should buy a lottery ticket because I would like to buy the lottery or win the lottery. I'd like I to thought be- of you this morning, Sarah. JLo just launched her first baby book. She did? Nice. Yeah, it's cute. It's like bilingual oh. and it's really, really cute. Next year. Everyone's writing a baby book. I know I dropped the ball. I still got a, I submitted to some agents and then, you know, got some denials, but I only submitted to, I think 12. My goal was to submit to a hundred. And then I got a little busy with nursery planning and stuff. So I got to get back on it. Not giving up. Um, Okay. So we got an interesting topic today that I think everyone will be able to relate to. We are talking about workaholics and your identity, um, like, do you work to live or do you live to work, right? And how do you balance life and work? Like, how do you find that balance? So I'm sure everyone here can relate to that. Who wants to start us off? Well, I think, um, great intro, Sarah. And I think we started having this conversation because this is not a a gossip. This is by no means a gossip uh, podcast. I I don't want it to be a, a gossip podcast, but I do want it to be a human podcast, you know, and um, we we will not speculate on the relationship between Tom Brady and Giselle because each relationship, they're human too, despite what they do for a living and despite the public life in many respects that they've lived. Um, but we did feel like there could be some potential workaholism in that relationship that may have caused some friction, right? Again, I, I'm being very careful because I, I'll never speak for another person's relationship. We do not know what's going on inside the walls of those two people. And I deeply respect uh, other people's privacy. It did come up though for us. And we had a lot of things to say with regards to how to navigate a relationship, especially a relationship where one person's really invested in their career, how that affects family. And we all, I think, have our own relationship. I know specifically speaking about me, my relationship to my work and the way, um, my work addiction has affected my personal life. My work addiction has affected my mental health. And it really brought up a lot of cool, interesting perspective from the three of you. And I think like there's a lot to be said. And I think it, it's it'll be interesting for people to weigh in who might be listening at home. Like when I went on a walk, I would say it was about two years ago with a girlfriend who's a life coach. She asked me an offensive question. She said, who is Erin Coscarelli without her work? And I got so uncomfortable with that question because I, that was me. My work was what I, my, my, my identity was my job. Well, what do you mean? Like I'm this sports broadcaster. I interview athletes and I talk about sports and I, I host a show and this and that. And I think that that's a recipe for disaster. Um, You know, I think if you think you are only worthy of the job title that you hold, I think that that is going to lead to some really 
um, self-loathing nights um, by yourself when you've only set up relationships because you think that they like you for your job or for what you do, are you even in real authentic relationships with friends, with family, with, with, uh, partners? And I think the dialogue got really opened up when we were, you know, hearing about, you know, the dynamics of relationships with regards to work. And I just think it's really interesting to talk about this. And I don't know if you guys want to jump in here, but I think I have had that problem. And so this deeply resonates with me because I have, I have not done a very good job at figuring out who I was without my job. And it wasn't until the pandemic when everything stopped and there was no more sports on TV for some time that I got a little depressed and I had to go to therapy and go like, okay, I got to figure some stuff out because, you know, I, I can't just be this TV host and think that that's just who Aaron is. Like, I, I have to live my life and figure out other, other means for, um, passion and joy and, and finding meaning and purpose. Right. Fulfill, to find fulfillment outside of your, uh, how you identify in the public eye, or even as you identify yourself as a professional woman. Um, I so agree with all of us really stepping into this conversation in a really vulnerable way as it pertains to though, like Tom Brady and the whole situation. Um, I remember just looking at it and having my first reaction was feeling very sad. Every, if you know me, you know that I'm partial to Tom Brady. I just love the guy. I was a new England fan. I lived in new England for so long. I am a new England fan, even though he's still, he's not there. I still love him putting aside all of the obvious things, the fame and the, the wealth that they have. They're just these normal people. Right. And when you take away all those things, what remains are a few things when it pertains to Tom Brady, what remains is he's an elite athlete. He's an elite athlete who has also figured out a very unique way to age backwards, literally has Mm -hmm. developed a science and a workout method that um, allows him to, through kinesiology, I don't know, I did some research on it with my sister and he's literally developed. So he's, he's also 45 years old, guys. Any other spectrum of life and every other facet, any other career and any other 40, a 45 year old man is a 45 year old man or woman is a very young person that is not considering really at this point in their life retiring. And now here we are talking about someone who is arguably the best quarterback in NFL history. And we're talking about whether we think it's right or not for him to retire you know, whatever he did in the past for those 40 days or whatever. And this is not just, and this is not to discount Giselle's position either. I am just saying that there are so many things that we don't know, like what you said, Erin, specifically about this relationship that we're just not well-versed on. This is just the narrative that the media is running with. And that is good for us to talk about because there does exist kind of a thin line of when is too much, when, when are you working too much and you're not dedicating time to your family? And I'm sure there is a version or a a level of that within Tom Brady, but I think us crucifying him or the media, I think people love to hate Tom Brady. And I'm just like, I think we're being a little unfair to expect the best quarterback in NFL history to retire at 45 
Now, that's not to say that Giselle is not right in having her feelings. Giselle is not right in wanting a divorce. I'm just saying, like, let's give grace and understand the fact that this is really a human being. He just happens to be really rich and and, and really good at what he does. And to expect him to retire at 45 because we, the public, think he's got all this money and how many more rings does he need? It's just not, it's unfair. It's like saying to you, Aaron, or to, I don't know. It's people's legacy, right? And it's theirs for a reason because they get to define what that is. Now, and, and, as, if you, as, and, yeah. and if you told me I couldn't do what I love doing and you were going to leave me for it, whatever. I understand you, yeah. right? That's a prerogative. That's what I was so. going to say. I think as, as, as a wife, I totally understand that I she's do like, too. listen, I've had enough. You said this and you're not keeping your word. I understand that. But at the same time, I don't think that I would want eventually if he leaves, he has to leave because he wanted to leave. It can't be because you made me leave. It's almost like giving somebody an ultimatum in my opinion. And the last thing that I want is because once you're done with, you know, as an athlete, once you're done practicing, once you're done playing, you can't go back to it. It's like one of those things where you're never going to go back. Right. Unlike being a lawyer or a doctor, you can retire and then go back after six months probably or whatever. But as an athlete, you can't do that. So I just feel like his legacy is his legacy. Let him live it out. What I wouldn't want as a wife and two kids, I don't want it to come back on my shoulders two years from now, three years from now. I mean, it is his identity. Like you said, Aaron, he is an athlete. That is his identity. That is what he knows that's all he knows since he was a, a child. That's why it's so important too when you have kids that are athletes. J- Matt and I talked about this because Jackson obviously is super wrapped up in soccer. And we're like, we have to give him something else where his identity is not only that one thing where it's soccer. If he doesn't make it in soccer, then what? You know? So I think if you have kids too, just kind of know if, if they love a sport, great. But make sure that they are good and they have a purpose in other areas of life, too, because that's that's super important that they have a full life. All I was going to say, plain devil's advocate, because obviously we have no idea what's going on with Tom and Giselle's relationship. But you have Tom, who is one of the best quarterbacks to ever live. No, he is. He is the best. Yeah. You have Giselle. (laughs) Sorry. You have Giselle, who is one of the biggest supermodels to have ever lived. Who knows their arrangement? What if it was like, listen, I will raise the kids and take a back burner, but I want to work again too. I want to be in my career as well. Why are mm-hmm. we like, well, Tom gets to work and she doesn't. I mean, and maybe she, she could work though. Agreed. Maybe, Agreed a thousand percent. But I'm just saying like, maybe they want to be more hands-on with the kids and not having nannies raised. Like who knows their situation, but I'm just saying maybe that they had an arrangement. It sounds like he obviously broke it and she was like, I'm done. But again, right. it's all speculation. Also, that's my his, problem with it is his, yeah, is our his job, though, isn't like just being a doctor and going to work. He can get severely injured at any time. It's a very dangerous job. So maybe that's the conversation is you have kids yes. now and yes. it's not worth you being paralyzed or yes. whatever, like the, like severe no, brain injuries, like whatever but isn't it is. That his choice. Isn't that on him kind of, but I mean, it's like, also the family. Like it's, 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 like someone, it's like if someone's smoking and you ask them to stop smoking because you want them to live for your kids and they're like, well, it's my body, my choice. I'm going to smoke. 
it's kind of that mentality. It's like, well, but we're a family. Really, that's such an even better example because secondhand smoke actually affects the family. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, him, well, him, if he got injured, it would affect the family, of course. It's, but no, but it, it's affecting the yeah. family now. And I like, it's affecting the family now in the sense that, you know, we don't know their dynamic, but if there was, you can't be the best quarterback on the planet and also be a hands-on dad. You can't like, you just, you just can't. And for me, the, the thing is not, is Tom Brady a good dad or not, or whatever. Like I don't, Tom Brady in my, in my experience actually has always been a really, really reputable guy, to be honest, as somebody who's covered in the NFL. It's my question is not their relationship. My question is the identity of us being wrapped in our work and Mm -hmm. feeling good enough when we no longer have that work anymore. And I think what you said, Erica, was very apropos because maybe, maybe someone along the lines of when Tom Brady was starting off as a little whippersnapper, maybe a Mm -hmm. coach said you weren't good enough. And he is still proving that young, that young little Tom is good enough. I'm just saying, hypothetically. Isn't that a story? Isn't that his story? Actually, he was always on the bench. He was was a six, he was a six round draft pick. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a thousand percent it. And he's thinking, I still have time. He's not really showing any signs of aging on the field. So he thinks he still has time. It's reversed, girl. He's younger. He goes to bed (laughs) real early. Doug always is like Tom Brady's in bed at seven or it's something crazy. Like he goes to bed and works out really. But again, who's putting the kids to bed if he's going to bed at seven? Let's move off Tom because that isn't the whole thing what we're talking about. But my, my dad, for example, is a workaholic. My parents divorced basically when I was born. But so every other weekend I would have to go to his house. And do you know what we would do? We would go to his office. No one was there, but my dad... And I would write notes to his secretary all day. And then if we weren't at his work and we were at the house, he was a workaholic with his house, with keeping it clean or washing his car or doing the lawn. But like, these are my memories with my dad. He was always, Mm. he always has to be working on something. And when someone has, is a workaholic in that sense, you have to wonder what are they running from or what are they trying to prove or why, what they're avoiding silence or they're avoiding connection. Like they're just busybodies, And you have to really look at that and wonder why. But I mean, I grew up with a workaholic as a parent, although I also am myself a little lazy and wish I had a little bit of that workaholic <laughs> in me because I could get more. You things saw done. it and you were like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, hmm. I, I think I think a little bit the workaholism comes just from society, they push people to be successful. You are not successful unless you are making money, unless you have a business, unless you're working and you can show that you're making money. So hustle, I mean, hustle, like, hustle, right? Exactly. That's, a, that's so our culture. Yeah. And so everyone's just like, I'm doing it. I mean, I feel like that's, I'm, I'm like a yes person. I take on a lot of projects. I think what you're saying, Sarah makes, you know, you make a really good point because I think it's an addiction. So mm-hmm. just like any kind of an addiction, it is a numb to avoid whatever it is you're avoiding intimacy, connection, community, yourself, the stillness. And I speak for myself because I, 
jam my schedule so much that I, I do avoid stillness and like, why do I avoid stillness? Like what gives me, like, if I, you know, you know, my calendar, Erica, I'm super social. I'm always, you know, filled with doing something fun with people. So what is it that I'm avoiding? And work addiction is no different than drug addiction, than sex addiction, than any kind of, you know, uh, alcoholism. It's a numb. It is literally a numb to avoid something. And so what is it that you're avoiding? I think you make a good point. I think you're seeking value for me. I seek value. I like to work. I like to be busy. I'm always, you know, working on my phone or my computer. I can work from anywhere for pretty much anything that I, that, that, that I'm involved in. And me is value. I want to feel value. It's not really uh, an addiction so much. I don't think, I think it's more me seeking. I want people to say, wow, good job. Great job. This is amazing. Wow. This, you know, that's right. That's my need. It's hard because you look at people who in your mind, and again, you don't know what happens in their own lives or just your observation of them. Oh, that person is a workaholic. They do accomplish a lot. You know, they're pretty successful most of the time because they're working all the time. But um, I want to ask each of you, do you think that you work to live or that you live to work? Yeah. The work one (laughs) for me. I, I, I want to work now in order to live later. Like, I know that I want to have a lot of certain things for my family and for my family legacy. And I'm Mm -hmm. trying to build things that my family can either take over or inherit or do, or if they don't want to, that's fine too. But I think I'm working now because I am still young that I'm hoping to live, I don't know, five, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I'm working to break uh, generational, not chains, but generational, um, you know, growing up, I did have a workaholic mom, but not by choice. My mom had to work three jobs. So I take a look at that, but still she made so much time to instill us with so much love and give us so much of her that I wonder now how she did all of that. Because even now with my one daughter, I find myself when I'm on the computer in the mornings, like setting up my week or setting up my day, getting my calendar ready, studying for an audition, whatever it is. And she comes and she wants to spend time with me. It's, it's hard for me to step away from work, but then I also think mm-hmm. I have to make time for her. Like this is our, this is the most bonding experience that we're ever going to have. So it is a challenge to balance those two, but I, the good thing is, is that I'm aware about it. I'm aware of it. That is the good thing. I don't think my mom had really a choice to even have the awareness that she wasn't as present. So what I'm working towards is I'm working towards having, you know, a level of generational wealth. So I think I'm working really hard right now to kind of break that cycle in my family where I want Kennedy to to have me, I'm, I'm working to build a really solid foundation. Kevin, Kevin and I both are working to really have a solid foundation, but still I have the luxury of being very aware that I know she needs me being very aware that I know that I have time that I can dictate what times I commit to work and what times I, I commit to building memories and building, you know, a bond with her, which is something my mom didn't have. So for me, I've been very aware of this from from the day I brought her home from the hospital. But yes, I think I am 
I love working for that reason. It's not, you know, being an actor, I was solely doing that for so long that my identity was kind of wrapped up for, in that for, you know, a de- over a decade or so until I started thinking of having a family. I started thinking like, I need to diversify a little bit. I need to make sure that I have other things in my life that are going to generate income and are, are going to create a foundation for me that's bigger than just this, 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 this thing that I love doing. But um, eventually, I'm going to have to have other things in place for that. And that's why I'm working. I'm working towards um, breaking that cycle uh, for my family and for myself so that I can enjoy life with my daughter. I think that's what you just like, you hit the nail on the head is like finding the balance. You need to just find balance to do both, to be able to work and create and make your legacy, but also not miss the moments with your family. Cause once you retire, then who are you? If that was your whole life, like then what? And that's when I think you see people really have identity crises because Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it it's if that if your work is who you are, you can't work forever. At some point, you have to stop. And then what do you do? So then, how does the self talk happen? Like, what is it? What do successful people that have transitioned over from big careers and big identity? I mean, I'd like someone to tell me this. I'd like to have someone on to have a conversation about this. What are the things that we should be doing now to ensure? What are the conversations? What what are we supposed to be doing now to ensure that we're not attached to this idea of ourselves that is elusive or that one day we'll no longer be there? Like, what are those I, steps? Somebody call in, please. <laughs> I think Brianna is going to touch on some of those steps, right? Because remember when she had us map out our year, she said yeah. to make sure that there was three or four things that were for your life, for play, that were not work oriented. So it's finding that balance. And I I think it's also enriching the community. You know, I think um, helping other people achieve their purpose and their goals. I think that, so it was interesting because um, Sarah Much, her and I have, have had deep conversations about, you know, mental health and, you know, um, getting back to, self and center. And she gave me the best compliment, which was you genuinely root for other women. That compliment was a better compliment than you're the prettiest. You're the hardest working. You're the best host because even if all else fails and you lose all your fame, all your money, all your beauty, you still have your heart. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can touch on those types of intangible It's being in service, being in service to others. And I think that's what each of us are doing with our other outside businesses is that when you're in service, you are creating avenues for other women. Like you are, Erin, with your um, monthly um, Women Crush Wednesdays. It's an intangible thing that's hard to explain. But when you go to sleep at night, it makes you feel whole and beautiful because you've imparted all this joy and community into onto these women that are probably feeling the same thing for me through modern muse is to is to 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 in in line in line with the same thing through modern muse i want to hopefully take away some of the shame that i had just from the way that i grew up and and 
create a space and create a platform for women like me to get to the place of being completely in love with themselves faster so that they can achieve their dreams. So like, it's always about being in service. And I think that's very smart that you said that. I want to know more though, because I think Rihanna would have some great, is that who you're talking about, Erin, the woman? Sarah, right? Yeah, I was just talking oh. about Sarah just totally like a year ago gave me this compliment. And I was like, wow, that was a really nice compliment because that compliment at the end of the day, our looks are going to fade. Money is not forever. And and I think giving other people a compliment that is a compliment deeper than what they are on the outside that lasts for so long, like that compliment lasted for so long. I was like, okay, that's the com- that's the compliment. That's the compliment. I love it. So we're going to wrap this episode up, but yeah, this is more of like just a food for thought, like check in with yourself and kind of try to find that balance. We all need to, and I, you know, we all need to work on it and we're all not perfect and that's okay too. Our imperfections are okay. We're all working on it. It's time for decanted. For decanted. Our question comes from Steph Tam 920. What is one thing you wish you could change about yourself physically or mentally? Uh, for Ooh. me, for me, it would be that I have anxiety. I uh. wish I didn't. <laughs> and if I could get rid of that, life would be much easier and I'd be less anxious. <laughs> that would be mine. That's a good one. Well, I have several. So I'm like, which one do I share? <laughs> Whichever one popped in your head first, go with that one. I think my need to control. Ooh, I wish okay. I didn't have to control so much. I have to let really go. One. Let go. Let yeah. go. Yeah. It's hard for me too to let go. That's anxiety as well. Trust, like trust that other people can handle things. Right. I wish I weren't. So I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a mess. Like I, I lose things a lot. I'm, I don't know what to actually call that. I wish I weren't so scattered or, you know, I just, I wish I didn't lose my keys five times a week. I was just going to say, where's your keys at? (laughs) (laughs) No, Sarah. Um, (laughs) He's like, I see that. Maybe maybe it's an Aries thing because Doug is the same. In in all disclosure, I have no idea where my keys are. And before I go, I just want to say one, I want to say this in closing before I go, because I'm going to jump after this and you can go, Aaron. My my thing about Tom Brady was solely as the media is portraying the situation. I'm totally in support of Giselle and I think she deserves to be and, and be happy and have the support system that she needs. It's not about not supporting her and her needs and her desires. I'm just, I think the media and we all together just create bigger challenges for people in these situations when we don't really know what's happening. Like Aaron said, that was all I was saying. Yeah. Um, but that's it. I'm going to, and I think selfishly, we don't want Tom to retire. We want to see him selfishly. I I don't want him to get a divorce. I don't want him to get retire, but you know, it's not my life. He looks like Ken and he's an extreme athlete and has a perfect family. And that's what we want to have continue. Right. Yes. Perfect life. I I appreciate what you said, Zulai, because I agree. Like, you know, this is, this is the challenge of being in the public life is that everybody has an opinion on it. Um, and most of the time, 99% of the time, they don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. And so we never want to speculate. Um, like I said, this is not a gossip podcast. This is a real life human podcast where we talk about real life issues and look, I'm honored to be in this group. You know, we talk about our issues super transparently. One of the things that comes up for me is self-doubt. 
you know, I tend to doubt myself. And then I have friends and family and people around me that are like, oh my God, thank you for, for doing this. Or it was so cool. You did that. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm like shocked by it. So I need to trust myself more and work on my own self-doubt. But I think when you talk about service, this is service for me. I, you know, like me openly discussing my issues is not to educate or enlighten anyone. It's just to let people feel less alone. That's it. Like if you're struggling at home, guess what? You got a buddy in me because we're all going through it. And I think the more you can talk openly about your ish, um, we're maybe helping someone else who is going through it. Yes. What would you change about yourself? I think I, I, I said my self doubt, you know, I, I, Oh, you did say it. Yeah. I struggle Mm -hmm. with self doubt. I think I, I, I give someone else the benefit of the doubt before I do it to myself. Like, would I be my own best friend? Probably not, but I'm a great best friend. Just not to myself. Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are girl. (laughs) Love you. Yeah. And and, and I think that that also would fall into (laughs) trusting yourself, right. And trusting your instincts and, Mm -hmm. um, I guess also with anxiety, it's just trust. Maybe trust comes into a lot of this. Maybe that's a yeah, a thing. Well, like this, this been episode. An, I do yeah, too. Me too. This has been an episode of Entertain Her Closet Edition and Soundproof Room Edition. My name is Sarah. <laughs> Erica. I'm Erin. Hey guys, I'm Zulai. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>